Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Today, uh, some of you jumped ship, came here today, and I appreciate that. Appreciate all the friends that I've made over the years. But getting old is not what they told me it was going to be. I'm not complaining, mind you. I'm just reporting the facts. In the first place, old age came far too quickly. But I've been blessed uh, to be a preacher of the gospel. And if I was starting out again, uh, God forbid, (laughs) I would still want to be a preacher. So you see, intelligence is not a gift of old age. But I've been blessed by God and God's people. Because for the last 60 years, everything I've eaten, everything I've worn, everything I've driven, the houses I've lived in, And all that I now have, have come as gifts from God through God's people. And half of my living still comes from God's people through the Southern Baptist Annuity Board. And besides all that, I still get to preach on occasion when churches get desperate I couldn't have done it without a wife and family that supported my ministry and me. And pastor's wives do not get the credit that they deserve. I think a pastor without a wife would be like a one-legged man running a hundred-yard dash over and over again. And Leona has been and still is more popular than I am. She never caused anyone any trouble. While I, well, never mind. I used to, years ago, rub shoulders with what I thought were old men of God. Like Jim Baldwin and Archie Brown and Cecil Martin and A.L. Cox and a host of other grand old prophets. We preachers would meet and they were the old men in the room. Now we preachers meet and I'm the old man in the room. (laughs) And among the pleasures and privileges of being an old prophet 
are the memories of good and holy saints who influenced me in kingdom work. And it's been my joy to work with godly ministers and godly and holy lay people. To see young men enter the ministry, to help ordain them, to watch them outgrow me. It's been a joy. And I've been admitted into the hearts and homes of good and godly people across these 60 years. I've had the privilege of serving more Baptist churches than I can remember. And I regret that I did not keep a journal, even though my wife urged me to when we started out. You see, I didn't think I'd ever get this old. But the greatest privilege of my life has been preaching God's eternal truth. The songwriter said, Change and decay in all around I see. But the word of God changes not. It's been a grief to my soul to witness the pace at which our nation has degenerated to the moral plane of today. But I can take heart in this. When we think things are falling apart, they are really falling together. And nothing takes God by surprise. He told us in His Word what it would be like in the last days. Now in my mind, I've often thought I was born too late. I've often thought I would fit better in the 19th century. But I've had the privilege of living in two centuries the 20th and 21st. Sometimes when people ask for my birthday, I tell them 1932, the first half of the last century. It makes it seem like a long time. But I'm blessed. Not all my privileges are past. I now have a good church family. I have a good pastor who preaches the whole counsel of God and whose sermon ideas I can borrow. I never steal. (laughs) And he doesn't know how many other flocks he's blessed. But I look forward to the greatest privilege any believer can have when I leave this earth for the heavenly realm. And I will leave it without making much of a mark on it, but grateful for the privilege of having been here and having the privilege of preaching the gospel of Christ. The preacher, the Baptist, friend of those who love Christ, and the privilege to be named Pastor Emeritus for Temple Baptist Church today. So much for the privileges of an old prophet. An old prophet faces perils too.
Such an old prophet lived at Bethel, where King Jeroboam had set up a rival temple. So the people of the southern kingdom would not go to Judah to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. Jeroboam had changed the feast times and days and set up idols, golden calves. And the old prophet's story is in 1 Kings 13. It's a long text, but they're going to show it on the board and you can read along with me. Beginning at verse 1, 1 Kings 13. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, while Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now it came about when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, King Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up, so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Please, entreat the Lord your God for me. And pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him. And it became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet was living in Bethel. King James says, An old prophet dwelt in Bethel. He dwelt there. He dwelt there. And his sons came and told him all the deeds which the man of God had had done that day in Bethel. The words he had spoken to the king that also they related to their father. And their father said to them, which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God who came to Judah had gone. And he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode away on it, went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. 
And he said, I cannot return with you nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord, you shall eat no bread nor drink no water there. Do not return by going the way you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And it came about, as they were sitting down at the table, that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord. Because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water. In the place of which he said to you, eat no bread, drink no water, your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. And it came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him, for the people, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him. And his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it. The lion also was standing beside the body. And men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and the lion standing beside the body. So they came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. Now when the prophet who brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is a man of God who disobeyed the command of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body nor torn the donkey. So the prophet took up the body of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. And he came to the city of the old prophet to mourn him and bury him. And he laid his body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And it came about after he had buried him that he spoke to his son, saying, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones, for the thing shall surely come to pass, which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now help us get something out of it. Well, the old prophet dwelt. At Bethel. That means he was anchored there. He had become accustomed to the city. And Jeroboam, the king, who had just split the kingdom, had set up idols in the very place where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had worshipped the true God. But the old prophet was silent, settled into a spiritual 
lethargy. And he was inactive. Why? Why would a man of God, a prophet of God, settle in such a place and witness such wickedness and let it pass unrebuked? Well, I think maybe he was retired. One of God's weary warriors. Every old prophet knows that. And he had fought through many battles in the past and he could not rouse himself for another. Or perhaps it was just worldly wisdom. After all, he had a family to support. It might not pay to incur wrath in high places. And what would it matter if he compromised this one time and let this wickedness pass unrebuked? What could one voice do in such a sea of ungodliness? And so the silence was unbroken and the old prophet stayed home. Notice he wasn't at the service. He sent his sons, but he wasn't there. And I want to ask you today, is there someone here on whom spiritual lethargy is settled, whose pace is slowing, or have come to a standstill? Was there a time when you, play, you prayed with fervor and purpose and your prayers mattered to the church and to the minister and to God? But in your praying, you slowed down and for weeks and months and perhaps years, like the old prophet, you've almost neglected prayer. What about your consecration? By the way, that's a stronger word than dedication. We hear altar call for rededication. We don't need rededication. We need reconsecration. And maybe your separation from the world was fastidious. But it cost so much to maintain that standard. And you grew weary. And slowly you gave way to the world. And your pursuit of holiness gave way to worldly reason. Everybody's doing it. And your life became one of compromise instead of consecration. What about the service? Remember how keen you were to serve when you first entered the kingdom? When I joined the church, I joined the whole thing, except for the WMU. I couldn't pass the physical for that one. But everything else, I joined. 
And maybe you were eager to witness to the unconverted of your family and friends and even strangers. But all that stopped now and you're not willing to suffer for that as you once were. You're still a Christian, still a prophet, still hold office, perhaps serve on several committees. No is a word most Baptists haven't learned. But all that has stopped now. Are you holding on to positions you don't really serve? Well, if you want to know how to shake off your spiritual lethargy and regain your testimony and get the zeal back in your service, let's follow the old prophet's story. The old prophet was jolted when his sons came in to tell him what happened at the temple. The dramatic events. The king was preparing to offer the sacrifice. Mind you, the king. And the service was interrupted by a man of God. Imagine that. Interrupting the king. And he pronounced the curse of God against the altar. And the king violently angered said, Arrest that man. But the hand he stretched out was withered and he couldn't draw it back. And the frightened king pleaded for mercy. Standing in the ashes of a shattered altar. He pled for mercy. And then he wanted to reward the man of God. Come home with me. But the man of God had been charged not to eat bread or drink water in that place. And the long silence had been broken by the voice of the Lord as his glowing faces, his sons told the story and suddenly they fell silent. They just realized that what had happened should have happened long ago. And that the agent should not have been a man from another kingdom, but the old prophet who dwelled at Bethel. And there was a time long ago when, well, that time was gone. And the old prophet was stabbed awake and jealousy and anger traded places on his face and stung into action at last. He demanded, where did that man of God go? And sometimes God intrudes where lethargy rules. And a fresh word comes from a man of God and the silence is broken and consciences are awakened and God speaks to our comfort. And the silence is broken. And the old prophet is amazed and alarmed and angry. Stirred to action at last. And I wonder, is there an old prophet hearing this? Because when someone with a powerful testimony comes into that kind of life and you hear the voice of God, 
through a man or a woman of God. It's troubling. But worse than the lethargy was his animosity. He was stirred to anger. He took no action at all against the ungodly deeds of Jeremiah, but he was angrily active against the man of God. Is there a man of God here who knows what that means? Who knows what that is? And the, perhaps the most shameful thing in Christianity is the animosity of Christian against Christian. And we find it between denominations and we find it in fellowships and Bible studies. And the tragedy is it's passed from one generation to the next. And if any man of God comes and dares reach across the lines that have been laid down by tradition and history, he will soon feel the scorn of one or more old prophets. And they will attempt to silence any new thought that disturbs their status quo. That man is not one of us, they will say. And so that even people who have never heard the, old, the new prophet preach, they've never heard the man of God declare him a heretic. As for me, this old prophet, I have repented long ago of my animosity toward my brothers in Christ. If any man names Christ his Lord, he is my brother. Amen. Or she's my sister. And I wonder why was this old prophet roused to action against his faithful men of God while they've been silent against King Jeroboam as he led Israel into sin? Well, I think first of all, he had a pride that would not be humbled. He was unmoved when God was dishonored, but stung to the quick when his own actions were revealed. He gained security and comfort by compromising his standards. And the silence he had maintained had been broken by the man of God. The message he had neglected to, to declare was declared by another. And everything he should have done and been the man of God from Judah was. And as the old prophet's sons told the story, his own actions, inactions were condemned, and his pride hated it. He was weighed in the balances and could not even tip the scale. And his pride hated it. And the strange thing is, the man of God didn't mention his name. But he knew that the conversation of the congregation that afternoon was about the old prophet who dwelt at Bethel, who had done nothing 
And with a wounded pride, as wounded pride always does, he looked for a focus. For his hurt and bitterness and determined to bring the man down. Imagine it. This man of God came unannounced and unsent for and says, I will not eat bread nor drink water in this place. And the old prophet had been eating bread and drinking water there for years. The effrontery of the man of God. So we formed a purpose that would not be altered. Is it possible that someone in this house has more animosity towards some man or woman of God than he does toward the enemy of God? Is it possible there is one who thinks more and plans more and talks more against the servant of God than towards God's enemies? I can tell you why. Someone's word or someone's life has condemned you. Their zeal condemns your lack of it as your compromise with the world silence your witness. Have you a pride that will not be humbled? Well, we've studied the old prophet's lethargy. And his animosity. Now I want to look at the tragedy of his success. For he did succeed. You too can concede, can succeed. Parents can kill the child's love for Christ. Old prophets can quench the burning zeal of younger prophets. You can lower the standards of that faithful person. And to do so, you can use the same weapon the old prophet used. He used his tongue. With a touch of friendliness and a blend of authority and a claim of divine guidance, the old prophet lied. The tongue is the most deadly weapon you can possess. James said, if a man offends not in word, he's a perfect man. And you can speak with authority and spiritual language and your speech be a lie. Oh, what a wreckage the tongue can cause. How many lives of usefulness do you suppose have been destroyed by the vicious tongues. So we see the old prophet, the lethargy of his service, the animosity that seared his spirit, the tragedy of his success. Now look at the agony that broke his heart. The old prophet came to the city to mourn. He has succeeded in silencing the man of God. He's gotten even for him stirring up the congregation. 
And the man of God was so full of life that morning. And now his lips are cold and dead. Who will take up the mantle of the man of God? Surprisingly, it is the old prophet who dwelt at Bethel. The tears he shed and the grief he expressed bear witness of his repentance. And so did the truth that fell from his lips. For the tongue that had been silent for so long bears this witness, the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord shall come to pass. By the way, it came to pass 300 years later. But it came to pass. And the old prophet shed tears of grief and repentance. And if any hear these words whose experience has been like his, for the past months and years, May God grant that your lips be unsealed, brothers reconciled, and peace reign in the house of God. Whether you know it or not, if we are in Christ, we are family. It is time not for silence, but it's time to speak against the culture in which we live. It will take courage but it must be done. The world is worshiping the golden calves of Jeroboam. And we are holding the truth. We dare not dwell at Bethel in silence. It is time that the redeemed of the Lord said so. It is time now for us to come back to our station. It is time to take up the mantle of the man of God. It is time for us to speak, but we cannot speak a word to our world until we are right with the God we serve. Where are you today? Don't be like the old prophet and wait for tragedy to come to be God's spokesman. Yield your heart today. Be the man of God, the woman of God that our world so desperately needs today. The old prophet has spoken. Now he's done. But we give you an opportunity. If you have business to do with God, the altar's open. 
If you need help and counsel, there are able people of God here today who can give you counsel. Whatever the Lord says to you, do that and do it today. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 